Thank you so much for spending time with us. We're in the Advent series, Love, actually the end of the Advent. So the other ones and faith and joy and those check all of those out uh, as we build up to this, um, this sort of last message on Advent about love will be in John chapter three. But before you turn there, swipe there, open there, unlock there. Uh, let's pray together. God, we pray that you, you would just help us to understand uh, the role that love plays in the Advent season. And uh, God, we just, we thank you for your love because it's so pure and holy and perfect. And uh, it's just without error uh, and it never ceases. So God, we pray that you will help us to understand what it is to uh, apply it to our lives and then to demonstrate it out for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to be in a little unknown passage, John three sixteen through 19. And when I say little known, that's because no one really knows a lot about the little brothers and sisters, which are verses 17, 18 and 19. Um, so you as you're listening and watching, you can just find your way there to John 3. Uh, verse 16, because uh, we're going to get there. Remember, in this Advent series, we're we're celebrating and acting on, because we live after Jesus' death and resurrection, acting on the arrival of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're understanding. That's what we're processing through this Advent season, how um, just sort of the salvation of Jesus provides um, what it provides versus what sin and darkness, what it provides. And uh, kind of looking uh, at that contrast and how there's so much freedom within the confines of grace and obedience uh, when it comes to this entire sort of Advent, Love, and Christmas. Uh, obviously, this is uh, the Sunday uh, right before Christmas, so um, we're all gearing up, we're all amping up, so... There's basically kind of two major things happening with most people. One, their their emotions and their excitement is climbing and anticipation is climbing or the depression and the doldrums and the hurt and the suffering is just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And they're slipping further and further and further uh, away. And both of those uh, can polarize away from God and and who he is. So uh, we're going to take a look at that. So here's the one thing from the message uh, that we have. Um, the one thing is this. Uh, God sent Jesus. This is why we celebrate Advent. Um, God sent Jesus to save, not condemn you or the world. So when God is looking and, and, and seeking to um, send Jesus, this is why we celebrate Christmas kind of all year long. So Christmas in February and Christmas in July, which my kids would be very excited for. All of this celebration that takes place happens as we look and move forward um, in this whole thing that God sent Jesus to save, not condemn you or the world. Now, here's some context. Let me give context. Uh, let's just bringing this into real life. Uh, here, here it is. Jesus is real. He is alive. And you have already responded to this truth. Now, I know what you're saying I'm not a Christian. I don't even know how I got on here. I clicked on the wrong video. I was trying to find funny cat videos and I found this instead. I don't know how it happened, but there's no, I haven't responded. I don't even believe in God. I don't even believe there is a God or, or uh, I follow a whole nother faith and a whole nother. I don't believe in God, the father of Jesus. Uh, obviously as a Christian, like, Oh yeah, I've totally responded. I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm trying to live for Jesus, trying to do all that I can for Jesus. Uh, but everyone has responded to this born again or not Christian or not. You've already responded to the truth, uh, denial, whatever you've done. You have responded to this context that Jesus is alive. He's sitting at the right hand of God. The Bible tells us this. And um, he he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, so let's just dive in to John chapter three and take a look at this. 
you know this. You've seen this at sports stadiums. You've seen this uh, in all kinds of t-shirts and magnets. Verse 316 of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So you're talking about Advent and I was like, I was praying, I was like, God, you know, it's love. This is what we celebrate this Sunday before Christmas and Advent and and just, you know, all your Bible verses and doing all the studies. What are some verses on love and Advent and why you sent and why Jesus came? And he's like, look, John three sixteen through 19, it just perfectly says that there's no, no really better way to communicate this hinge point of Scripture. So it talks about God loving. So um, why did God give his son? Why did he give Jesus to us, which we remember and celebrate? Um, it's because of God's love for you, for the world, and because of eternal life that he wants us. He wants us to have that. You know that, right? Like God doesn't want you to go to hell. God wants you to go to heaven. God doesn't want you to not believe in his son, Jesus, but actually to be saved through him. Um, he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And that's why he sent it. John three sixteen tells us this. Why is there Christmas? Because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, when you talk about salvation, it's simple. Uh, simple as in clear. It's really simple in execution too. You believe in Jesus and you're not going to perish and you will have eternal life. Now that doesn't mean that if uh, you don't believe in Jesus, you get off scot-free. It doesn't mean that you'll just die and, and disappear into nothingness. It doesn't mean to you to you go to the wrong side of the tracks of heaven where, oh, well, that's where the Christians go. That's nice for them. But, but, but over here is where we're still getting, that's not what happens. Everyone who lives, everyone who's alive, they will spend eternity somewhere. And the whole part of not perishing is a direct reference to, and we'll see this more in the scriptures later, a direct reference to when you perish spiritually and eternally, you go to hell, which was built for the devil and the fallen angels or or demons as we more sort of vernacularly know them. So that's why God sends his son. He's looking at humanity and he's going, look, I, I have, have planned before the foundations of the earth that people would be saved by grace through faith, through no works of their own. It's a free gift of God. People love gifts. It's Christmas. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. He, 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 he makes it in such a way that in order to be saved, you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you listening, watching this shall be saved. It's your heart that you believe. It's with your mouth that you confess unto righteousness and justification. So God's like, look, I have made a way. So what does God want us to do with this free gift of salvation that Jesus makes possible? Well, I think what we'd want everyone to do with gifts that we give people to um, receive the gift, to open the gift and to enjoy the gift of being saved by grace through faith. So in John 3, 16, he's just simply saying, look, this is why we celebrate Christmas in church history. This is why we make this such a venerable day on what we would call the Christian calendar and in the world. Because God's offering this free gift. In order to be saved, you don't have to be good enough or bad enough or any of that. You just can come as you are to be saved from all of your sins and wrongdoing as the Bible describes it from cover to cover. So he puts that out there. It's just simple. Receive it. 
And, and God's got so much joy. Go back and listen to our joy message. Um, but there's so much joy in him waiting and wanting you to open this gift, much like myself as a father and my wife, Rachel, as we look at our kids and kids and anticipate Christmas Day when they're going to open their gifts and be so excited about not only the gift inside, but in many cases, just the box because they build like forts out of the boxes and and enjoy that. And, and I'm really looking forward to that. And I can't wait for them to receive it. Now magnify that by holiness and righteousness and infinity and eternity. And God looks at you, person who is not saved, person who's not been born again, person who's not been a Christian and says, hey, look, that's, that's what I want for you, to experience that joy, to understand what that is. And as a Christian, he desires um, for you just, just to remember that you do have the greatest gift that mankind can ever receive, which is salvation. And then not only does it stop there, but these great gifts come after of um, Christ-likeness and, and living like him. So God just, he looks on the world in love, not in condemnation, and send Jesus in that exact spirit and with that exact purpose. Let's look at uh, verses 17 and 18. Uh, as we begin to unpack this. Um, so Advent, God loves the world. He just is going to explain this even more, why and how he loves the world. And when I say world, I mean you. I mean you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, watch out, whoever does not believe is condemned, already condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So God's like, look, uh, there is a problem in the world that is sin. And God is like, it has existed since Adam and Eve. It, it has worked. It is, in, it is in every person other than Jesus. And every person besides the Christ. And he says, I did not send my son to condemn the world. Do you know who's the great condemner and, and deceiver? That's that person is it's the devil. He is the accuser. He's the one that's coming after you, not Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm here to bring you freedom and salvation. So what what is actually the condemner of our life right now? What's actually that which condemns us? It's, it's not believing in Jesus, the only son of God. That's what it says in the verses. For those who do not believe in Jesus are condemned already. So if you got this sense of condemnation and you're not a Christian, then you are rightly interpreting that in the fact that it does exist. And it is because of the sin that you were born with. And if you're old enough, because of the sin that already exists um, in your life, those choices you've made against God's will, the, the sin of iniquity, which is sins we commit on the inside, in our mind and in our yearnings, or the sins of transgression, which are outward sins that are rebellion against God's will. And then, of course, there's original sin, which we're all born with. The Bible tells us thanks because it's passed down through the guys through what the Bible calls Adam. So it's passed down through his line. And his lineage. So not believing in Jesus is actually the condemner. So don't believe what the world tells you or even what you're thinking. The, the great condemner in your life is sin. And there is good news. God has made a way. He's giving you a free gift to unwrap that will set you free. And his name is Jesus. 
It's grace. That's the means in which he does that. Saved by grace through faith that Jesus is the son of God. Now, when I say that sin condemns and Jesus saves and we're set free, I want you to understand that your life isn't always going to be um, uh, just a field of flowers and roses and just wonderful, miraculous, every days are awesome kind of stuff. You are set free from the eternal consequence of sin, uh, but not free from all the consequences of sin that takes place in this world. Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, you are going to find that you um, do not have to perish. That's what it says in John three sixteen. But what you will find, what you will experience is strength through the midst because other people in your life will sin. You'll start doing things that God realizes you as you become more like Christ. That is sin. So God's like, look, I so love the world that I sent my son to set people free so that they may not perish, but they have eternal life so that they might find freedom in the midst of all of this, right? Romans 6, 23 tells us the wages of sin is death. The consequences of, of dying in your sin, not being saved by grace is that death, eternal death separated from God and all Christians forever while you're in hell. But the gift of God, Romans 6, 23 says is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what you're seeing here is that God just again is reiterating the great condemner of your life is um, the sin, unforgiven sin. But he who set you free, that's Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, it's a gift. You don't have to worry about earning it. You don't have to worry about earning it. There are plenty of things after you're saved that will make you a better Christian and help you in this hard life through the difficulties that is this life. But when it comes to salvation, this is Jesus seen to be saved by grace. Look at our last verse here, verse 19. So God's looking through and he goes, look, man, send my son because I love him. Verse 19. And this is the judgment, the declarative truth of what's right and what's wrong. Um, the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So let me let me just turn this out for us. Um, the light is Jesus. The light is Jesus. Those who love darkness are those who demonstrate their sin and allow their sin to grow out into evil words, thoughts, and deeds. So he's saying, look, this is the judgment. This is how the world is. There are people out there and there's stats to prove this. There's life experience to prove this. There first and foremost is biblical truth that proves this. It's evidence of this. But people love the darkness and they don't want to accept Jesus because they don't want to come into the light. They don't want to, to realize um, how dirty um, they really are. I remember my kids were super young, right? And they were learning to eat themselves and feed themselves and do all that stuff. And they'd eat and they'd be so fat and happy with all the food that they ate. And they just had food all over their face. Now they couldn't see it. They're like, I'm so happy. I'm done. And we're like, look, you've got to wash your face off. You've got food everywhere all over you. And then go and they look in the mirror and go, oh no, I've got it. And they'd wash themselves clean. And then they'd go about their life and be like, yeah, you know, God is offering that fact to go, look, I know God knows, God knows that there are people who love the darkness. They get that. He understands that. He understands that all of us who were are Christian now, who were not Christians, we were that way too. There's a great allure of staying in the darkness, but we must help others to come out of that, right? Jesus, first and foremost, is this light that brings people and helps them to understand it. So, so how can we move someone from who, someone who loves darkness to someone who loves the light, 
right? How do, how do we move a person that way? Because I'm sure you've had this happen, right? Maybe when you were younger or working shift work when you're older, but it's dark, you're outside, the lights are off, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in the room and just slams the lights on and your eyes aren't adjusted. And it's like, oh, and you cover your eyes and you're like, oh, it's so bright and it's so hard and it's so harsh. What do we do? Uh, and that's the question we're trying to answer, right? You meet someone in life where you work, where you worship, um, where you live or recharge. You're like, man, that person is stuck in, in darkness and they need a light adjustment. So how do we help people move from that? Um, we, through our faith, we have faith that God can do it. And we have biblical deeds that bring God praise and credit and draw people closer to God. So that's what we do. That's how we help people adjust to the light. We come into their lives as salt and light, which the Bible calls us. Great study, by the way, of just all the different light analogies and salt. But we come into that example and into their life and go, look, there, there there's a way out of this darkness. There's a way into more joy and more love. And God has come to set you free because this darkness is going to ruin you. This darkness is going to ruin your family, your jobs, your fulfillment, your social life, everything that you hold dear, it's going to ruin. And in comparison to what God can provide, um, there is no comparison. It's going to be that much greater. Every good thing comes from above. It comes from God. And if you think life's great now, you should see how it is now. You, you think you've got strength now. You should see the strength of God at work. You, you think that there's no way out of it. You should see what God can do to bring you up out of this and into true fulfillment. And that's what God is calling people to through this example, right? I sent my son into the world. I sent him at the time that we celebrated Christmas. I sent him there so that you might be saved, not to condemn you. You're already condemned, Scripture says, unless you find the saving grace of Jesus. Then you can begin to live free. So let me give you some, some ways and, and just some practical things that, that you can respond to and you can actually do in living out your faith and good deeds. One, when we're talking about worship, Romans 12, 1, uh, when you're worshiping a living God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. When you go to work, do you think of that? I know you might feel like you sacrifice because a job you have, if you still have it and haven't been furloughed, but offer your body as a living sacrifice to go out there and say, God, whatever you want me to do in my workplace, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say as you leave me, I'm going to guide, I'm going to study, I'm going to pray for people. I'm just going to live more and more for you and allow God to provide for you. When you're out into the when you're out in the community, take every opportunity possible with people to demonstrate Christ's likeness in word, thought, and deed, to allow them to know that you're a person who knows the way out, that you can help them through the loneliness of the darkness or through the cage that is darkness. Many people don't want to be stuck in darkness. They just don't know how to get out because no one's told them, no one's shown them. The Bible tells us that too. So we should show that to people. We should tell them about that. Think about serving the people you're around as well, wherever that may be, your local church, uh, where you go and kind of recharge and have fun. Because um, the way you sacrificially and generally, generously love others helps people adjust to the light of Jesus' love and salvation. Now, I remember when I mentioned when someone like it's pitch dark in your sleep and they flip the lights on, it's like, oh, it's so bright, right? Oh, turn off, turn off, turn off. Um, it, it can be jarring like that sometimes when a Christian comes into your life. But there are wise ways, sharing the truth in love, that we can raise the dimmer switch, raise the flame of people's lives, raise 
raise the temperature in people's lives towards Jesus and help them to see that. And that's through sacrificially and generously loving others. And not just those who love you, but those who don't love you and those who may even consider themselves your enemies. So when you're looking at service and you're thinking about serving others, really look at your life in a different perspective to not be a consumer sponge of what's happening and be reactive, but to be proactive. And finally, multiplication, right? Because we exist to bring God glory and make disciples. So we need to be multiplying our faith out in others. And the way we do that is shoulder tap others to join you in becoming more like Jesus. Invite them to um, your house, to coffee, to your church, to your Bible discussion group. Weave in God's love through Jesus as you journey together. It's one of the things we do here at the church. We we rarely make announcements um, from the stage where we're like, we need... Um, we need servers and people here. Please come and, and, and serve in this ministry that's growing or has need or that's developing. What we try to do is encourage our people to ask a friend or someone else. They really go up and tap them on the shoulder and go, hey, have you ever considered trying and serving in this? And then we work them through and into that process. And the Christian faith is life is that way too. Hey, just why don't you just come with us and spend an afternoon on the beach? That's where we live. Spend an afternoon on the beach with my family and hanging out with the kids. Water, ocean, and swimming and, and, and just having time together wherever you live. Mountains and skiing or the countryside farming. I don't know. or Whatever you do there. Just spend time interacting with people. So these are just some of the ways you can grab onto and go, yes, I have, I'm going to have faith in Jesus. Now, number one, as we close, I would say this. If you're not a Christian, you just need to heed the words of John three sixteen through 19, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So the, the opposite side of that coin is true. Um, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you will perish and you will not have eternal life. You will exist forever, but it will not be life. It will be an eternal death right? Fire and weeping and, and, and gnashing of teeth and, and just so hate-filled in your heart because of where you are, knowing full well that you had chosen this place for yourself as you lived. And God says, look, that's all avoidable right now. You can be saved now. Here's how we're going to do this. Let's pray. God, we pray for those who aren't yet Christians, who don't know what it is to really truly be loved by you or to really love others because you, you can't until after salvation. And then even then it's a process and a journey. So we pray for all of those listening, all of those watching, all of those involved, that you would help them to find to be saved by grace through faith, which is, is to find the way and say, Jesus, I know that you um, are the son of God. I pray that you're Lord of my life. Forgive me for all my sin, my wrongdoing, my wrong thinking, my wrong believing that they might be saved in their hearts and their minds and all that they are. And we pray for them now as Christians and Christians who are, are watching this are praying for those in their life that aren't saved, that they would be saved and that you do it now and not wait. Just God, forgive me. God, save me. And for those of us that are Christians, might we remember that we've already opened this free gift of grace and live like it. That we would live like we are, we are not condemned because that's not how God treats us. That, that we have a full armory of God. We have a full arsenal of blessing. We've got all of this truth that we can share in love that will just transform people's lives through sacrificial, hard-fought, tip of the spear, 
foxhole mentality of living that we might do hard things so that others may find their way to Jesus more easily. So God, as Christians, may you use us this Christmas season and all year long to remember the reason for the season that God sent his son to save us. And he did that because he loves us so much and not in condemnation and not to play favorites, but instead to just draw us in closely. God, we love you and we thank you so much for salvation. We thank you that you loved us first because we, we, we were unlovable. There was nothing about us that said we deserve salvation, but still you, you planned for it before anything existed and you made a way. So Lord, we pray that we'll live in that glory and where we work, worship, live and play, that we might bring God glory through praise and credit to him. And we might make disciples everywhere we go by drawing them closer to God and helping them to learn the ways of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.